0: verses 12 through 30. Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing in service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cured when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me and I am confident in the Lord that I, myself, will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back you to just my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Good morning. How's everybody today?
1: It's not raining. I have brought the most incredible thing with me today. It's just awesome. You know, I I should have brought enough for everybody, but it was just so incredible that I, I, I couldn't, I could only just bring the one. Well, that was what my question was. What can we do with a brown paper bag? So David's obviously going to wear one for a Halloween costume. Uh, what are you going to do with the brown paper bag? A what? Football. A football. Yeah, you could probably wad it up and throw it as a football. In Sunday school, we've done some things with slightly smaller ones. We made what? A puppet. A football. What else could we do with a brown paper bag? Kaden, what could we do? A puppet? Yep, a puppet. What else can we do with it? Bring home the groceries in it. That's right. You could pack your lunch in this. That would be a big lunch. And yeah, Carissa, a little louder. Put your things in it. Oh, put a face on it. You could make it into a mask, right? Faith. Put your faith in the bag. Okay. Gra- drain, ju- greasy stuff on it, definitely. What else? It and make
2: it.
1: Right. You could cut it up and make it into a mask or other things. When I was in school, or a ghost mask, When I was in school, we took these and made book covers out of them. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, And I know sometimes when you're cooking, um, you do? Uh, He breads chicken in it. Puts all the stuff, shakes it up. What else? Exactly. A big bear cave. At school they're learning about hibernation and they use bags to make caves. So you could make a cave. And some stuff for it. And I it and my some And I it. You did. Um At my house, if this was on the floor, we have three things that would like to be inside of it. Cats, cats. Well, just like we could think of all kinds of things to do with this very ordinary bag. Everything from being helpful for draining our greasy foods to breading our chicken to creative things like making costumes and habitats for our bears to covering our books. There's lots of uses for this bag. In our scripture today, we hear that um, God has a plan for each one of us. It may be a lot of different things, but he has a plan for us. And it says, um, "For it is God who works in you To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So he's going to take us. We're plain brown paper bags. And he's going to transform us into something that he needs according to his will. And Now, when you cut the bag up or you put greasy stuff on it or sticky stuff in it or you put something in it and it breaks, do you think the bag complains? No, it doesn't. It can't, because it's not alive. However, when God asks us to do certain things, do we sometimes say, oh, pick somebody else, not me. I'm too tired. I don't want to do it. We grumble. But we're told, no, don't do that. Don't be grumbling. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that we can shine like stars. If we are doing the things that God's asking us to do and be the person he's asking us to be, and we do it with a smile on our face, it's going to be a whole lot more powerful than if we're grumbling and saying, God really wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it. You know, God wants me to give you money or give you food or, you know, whatever. So I'm going to do it because I know God wants me to do it. Is that going to let our light shine? No. But if we think those things... And we say, you know what, God, I know you're doing this for a good reason. You're doing it because this is how you want to use me. And we just put that smile on our face and the joy in our hearts, knowing that we're doing God's will. It makes a whole lot of difference. And it's going to shine that light to someone who needs to see it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that even though we are ordinary brown paper bags, you find so many useful ways to use us. Help us to not grumble and complain about being used, but to give everything that you've given us with a smile, with joy, with love, and with compassion. In Jesus' name we pray.
2: I never really paid attention to the lyrics of that song before. It's beautiful. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, we are yearning for the day of your returning. Until then, Lord, we pray that you will help us to um, continue to focus on you and to become more like you so that we can shine in this dark world in your name. Amen. So when I in 1993, I went on this missions trip with eight other people to India, and the organization that I was with made us memorize a whole bunch of Bible verses, and one of them was this one from today's passage about shining like stars. And we used to, sort of to help ourselves remember it, we used to say, um, do everything without grumbling or complaining, so that you may be children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe. <laughs> um, And so I still, even though the new NIV translation doesn't word it quite that way, that's still what goes through my head every time I read that that passage. Shine like the stars in the universe. Um, But I actually love that verse, and it has, as you can tell, stuck with me. Um, This week, as I was preparing, I was thinking about stars. When we talk about people as stars, we're not usually thinking about Shining like the stars in the universe. So, um, what is a star in our in our society in our the way that we talk about things, our slang, what does it mean to be a star? Famous. What's that? Yeah, like, a, yeah. Usually, a star is an entertainer. Um, they're somebody famous. Um, currently popular okay yes yeah it doesn't it's not necessarily a long-term status is it um, what are the things that contribute to someone's becoming a star how do you become a star YouTube, <laughs> YouTube right you stand out among other people how do you do that You get noticed. Yes. It it, it could be good notice. It could be bad notice. Go ahead, Ron. You have to be different from the rest, or you have to at least seem like you are. There's something that's a little bit distinct about you. Um, when, When you think about stars, um... There are good and bad, I would say, but just off the top of your head, when you first think about it, do you feel like these people have um, more good qualities or bad qualities, or, or what do you, yeah, what's... They have loud qualities, okay, okay. Yes, and it does matter who's telling the story. Um, Yeah, true, especially today. I think even in churches, um, we might not use the word stars, but there are certainly celebrity pastors, right? And some of them um, are famous for good reasons, and others are famous for what seem like good reasons, and then it turns out that maybe they're not quite the godly people that we were hoping. Um, So today we're going to... We're going to kind of stick with this theme and see if, or how, what qualifies for starhood, according to the Apostle Paul in the early church, is similar or different from what, what qualifies people to be stars in our time period. Um, so today's passage, actually we started with the last two verses of last week's passage, and it begins with another, therefore. And we remember from last week that when you see therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. So who remembers what the main theme of last week's passage was? (laughs) Tim is shaking his head at me. (laughs) It's a pretty famous one. Be like Christ, yes. And we talked about the way of Christ and the will of God and how... The will of God is to be like Christ, and the way of Christ is the way of the cross. So we humble ourselves, and God exalts us. Um, So that's before the therefore. So this is what's following on. Um, Paul says in verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And I think we could say his good purpose is his way and his will, like we talked about last week. But does anything sound weird about, this, about these verses? Well, we're not in the the church in Philippi. (laughs) Okay, so always obeyed maybe seems a little exaggerated, but anything else? Okay, I guess it just feels weird to me. The thing that stands out to me in this passage that makes me go, wait, what? Is work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, didn't act on his rights, humbled himself to become a nobody, went to death on the cross, and God has exalted him to the highest place, therefore work and be scared? (laughs) What? (laughs) That just feels strange to me. Um, Is this how we think salvation works? Right, I hope not, says Kathleen. Okay, we, yes, we tremble before the awesome mighty power and presence of God, but um, that doesn't always, that's not always how where our brain goes first, especially in the way that this is framed. So I think we need to remember the next part of the sentence. Yes. Am I done? <laughs> We're still at the beginning of this sermon. We haven't hit 11 o'clock yet, dude. So, <laughs> Okay, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We don't see salvation working quite like this. There is the reverence and awe with the fear and trembling. The sentence, I'm not done, but Paul's sentence is also not done. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So it sounds kind of like, here's my version of what Paul is saying in these two verses to the Philippian Christians. You guys are the type of people who don't just do what you're supposed to do when the teacher's watching, Paul being the teacher, but also when no one is watching. Keep it up. That's the first part. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue. And then, continue to work out your salvation. He's not saying, work for your salvation. He's saying, live like you're saved. You you are saved, keep Acting like it, it doesn't just come naturally. It is actually work to live like we're saved. We are saved out of who we were before. We had a whole, short, but a whole series about what it means to be rescued by God. And and it's a shift from one way of life to another way of life, and one way of thinking to another way of thinking. And so you have to be intentional about it. You have to do it on purpose. You can't just be like, I'm saved and okay, now everything I do is blessed and good and fine. We have to make an effort to stay connected to Jesus, not to stay saved, but to stay connected to Jesus, to keep getting to know Jesus so we can grow to love him and so we can grow to know what he's like, so we can become like him. That is God's purpose. But also, we have help. God himself works inside you to want what he wants and act like he would act if he were you. This is the what would Jesus do if he were you thing again. This is a big deal. God is directly involved with you. God loves you. God likes you. But also, don't forget, it is God to whom you have dedicated your life. So we don't have to have fear and trembling. That I feel like the way that this sentence is worded, it sounds like work out your salvation with fear and trembling in case you lose it. That is not what Paul is saying, and it sounds like that's not what most of you are hearing, but um, God will not kick us out. We don't have to have fear and trembling about that, but we should have some respect, enough respect to take seriously our commitment and cooperate with God as he transforms us. Unfortunately for us, sometimes that transformation happens through suffering like Jesus. If we're following the way of Jesus, that is part and parcel of the thing. And so we have to work through that. And we have to... Stay connected to God, and we have to cooperate him as he tries to transform us through that suffering. Then we get to verse 14, which I like that Barb emphasized. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Anybody got this one? (laughs) Nope. Me neither. The way of Jesus is hard, and sometimes while we're still in the process of learning to think and act like him, which usually comes through hard things, we find ways to comp ourselves. I have had a couple of, this is sort of like stealing office supplies from work, which is really easy to do. You can be, you can have a job, and you can be working hard at your job, and you can be like, you know what, I don't actually make enough at my job, and I am working really hard, and this can be really true, um, and I ran out of, Kleenex at home, and they have this closet full of Kleenex at work, and so I'm just going to take a box of Kleenex and bring it home. It's not a horrible crime, but we're kind of justifying. I mean, it, technically, it's stealing. So we can. It's easy to justify that kind of thing. We can do this in our Christian life too. Um, I've done this. I know many people who, who have told me their version of doing this. Um, I work for Jesus, and typically, unless you're the Pope, you don't make a whole lot of money doing that. And so um, so I'm going to – I can't actually <laughs> – right now I can't think of an example. But um, I'm going to steal Jesus and take him home. No, I'm kind of – okay, I'll use an example from a long time ago of somebody that none of you know. So that – um, someone a long, long time ago, years, decades ago, told me that they were trying to, they're Christian, and they were trying to be faithful to God's call to sexual purity before marriage. But it was taking too long to get married, and so they ended up getting addicted to porn. This is the kind of thing that, and, and they justified it to themselves, by saying, well, God isn't delivering here, And I'm trying to do the right thing. And so I'm just going to treat myself over here on the side because this is, because I'm not getting out of this what I would like. This is too hard. I need a little bit of a break. And this is the kind of thing that any Christian with any addiction can justify. We can justify all of our addictions by doing that kind of thinking. But, um, Arguing and complaining is actually an addiction. And it is the one addiction that probably all of us can struggle with and find good reasons for engaging in. And it's one of those that, you know, some addictions are just an addiction for that person, and it's fine if someone else engages in that activity. But grumbling and complaining is just something that is toxic for everybody. So, I do need to say this, grumbling and complaining are not the same thing as lamenting and being real with God. We have to do that, the Bible shows us people doing that, the Psalms are full of it, and Jesus himself lamented and got real with the Father. So. They're not the same thing, but grumbling and complaining is an attitude and a lifestyle where I just, I'm going to do everything under duress. I, I don't want to do anything God asks me to do. I don't actually like these people that God has called me to minister to. I, that's not true, by the way. I like you guys. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I just, there's something wrong with everything. Do we know people like this? Do we sometimes be like this? (laughs) Yeah. Paul is saying here that grumbling and complaining, no matter what else any of us has going on that gets in the way of becoming like Jesus, grumbling and complaining gets in the way of becoming like Jesus. Jesus didn't grumble and complain. He lamented. He said, oh Jerusalem, I wish, I wish you would get your act together, (laughs) basically. I would long to embrace you like a hen, like a mother hen protects her chicks, but you were not willing. He laments, but he didn't put aside his rights to godness and make himself nothing, complaining all the way. He didn't. In Hebrews, we're told that for the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't complain about having to go to the cross. He told his disciples, I'm going to be crucified, but he didn't say, you guys are horrible, and so I have to go be hung up on a cross. I really hate that. Thanks a lot. He didn't, that, it would have been a whole different story. You are so right. So, don't grumble and complain so that you may become blameless and pure. Grumbling and complaining get in the way of our purity, those are the things that keep us from shining. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like the stars in the universe. (laughs) Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What is going to make these Philippian Christians like the stars in the sky? Being pure by not grumbling and complaining and holding fast to the word of life who or what is the word of life? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the word of life. And the scriptures tell us about him, and the Holy Spirit interprets the scriptures to us. We have to hold on to Jesus. And we need that New Testament Christians didn't have the whole Bible in the form that we have it, but we have it, so we can continue to hold to the word of life, who is Jesus, by continuing to look for him and interact with him as we read the scriptures. So, all of that said, how would you say Paul's idea of being a star is different from the idea nowadays? You don't? I like it. Okay. So I'll try to abbreviate this. Ron is saying that stars, the way that we talk about it now, and stars, the way Paul is talking about it, is not different. We have to stand out and be different, and the way that we would do that is by not arguing and complaining, because everybody does that, and if we don't, we will shine the love and the light of Christ. I think that's true, but I also think (laughs) that stars in this day and age, that we call stars, usually complain a lot. They are often very entitled. They are what we, sometimes this term is used um, not complementarily, divas. That's a female word, but there are plenty of male divas out there. I am so important, you need to cater to me, you got to do everything, and I'm going to be famous. Paul's version of stars, I think, is less about being famous and more about shining. Our present-day entertainer stars want all the focus on them. But Paul is talking about Shining purely with the light of Jesus, not grumbling and complaining, not being all about ourselves, not trying to get all the attention, but shine so the attention is on Jesus, and we are lighting up the world. So then Paul gives some examples of some actual stars that he knows, some people who he considers stars. He, first of all, he kind of hints that he's one. In verse 16, the second half, he says, Then... If, they, if these Philippian Christians are shining pure and blameless and shining like stars in the universe, then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. He's basically saying, then I will know that the effort that I put into teaching you and modeling Jesus to you has paid off. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering like Jesus, On the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Then he talks about Timothy. Timothy is the pastor in Ephesus, and Timothy is not in prison, but Paul is addressing this letter. If you look back at the beginning of chapter 1, he says it's from Paul and Timothy, and so that's why some people think that he was probably in prison in Ephesus. Timothy, he says, in verses 19 to 24, can go visit the Philippian church on Paul's behalf. Paul's locked up, so he can't go. But Timothy can go, and Timothy cares about the Philippian Christians, even though it's not his church. He cares about them as much as Paul does, so he will be happy to hear their news and bring it back to Paul. Paul describes Timothy's star-like qualities by saying, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Jesus' interests are the care and purifying and the worked-out salvation of his people for whom he sacrificed, who he loves, who he likes. Timothy cares for Jesus' people. Timothy serves in unity with Paul and in respect with Paul, and Timothy puts Jesus' interests first, above his own. And then Paul wraps up this list of stars with his friend Epaphroditus. Great name. Be glad your parents didn't call you that. Um, Epaphroditus was probably from Philippi himself. He... Took the the care package or the support that Paul was thanking the Philippian Christians for earlier in the letter. He took that support and brought it to Paul, and something happened on the way, and he got super sick and almost died. And um, we don't know what happened, but it was pretty serious. So Paul is Paul realizes that the Philippians know about this and they are concerned. And so Paul is rejoicing that Epaphroditus has been healed, but he says, I'm going to send him back home. Probably partly because Paul wants this church family to care for their Christian brother after his illness, but also Epaphroditus is carrying the letter, this one that we're reading. Verses 28 to 30, Therefore I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. He went, the whole church couldn't go, the other Philippians were still at home and Epaphroditus in the name of Jesus for their sake and for Paul's sake brought the care back and forth between Paul and this church. So he also set aside his own interests on their behalf, on behalf of the people of God. So stars in our world, um, if you like, if you watch the show American Idol, which, by the way, does anyone have a problem with that title? <laughs> um, those, the people, the only way that you can really, I mean, you have to have some talent, but the only way you can really get up in these, uh, contexts, are you have to be self-centered, you have to be self-important, you have to put yourself forward. And, and celebrities in our time have, so, so many of them, have failed relationships. And you notice, the ones that don't, you know a whole lot less about their personal lives to begin with. Failed relationships, discontent people, in churches, in celebrities in churches, there are scandals. People lose their faith. There's sexual abuse. There, I mean, it's it's crazy. Christian stars that Paul is talking about shine in the night sky. As things get darker in our world, we shine brighter. Not so that we can be famous, but so Jesus can be. So as Paul is encouraging us, let's get rid of what dims our light. The main thing is focusing on ourselves. But also discontent, grumbling, arguing, poor communication. Let's focus on Jesus, the one that we are trying to make famous. And his character. And let God build his character in us. God works in us to make us shine so that we will and act according to his good purpose. Jesus himself and his way is our focus. And love for each other, and as the opportunity arises, in some ways laying down our lives for each other, shows each other that we are beloved and each other is beloved by God. And we can aim for good communication by God's Spirit We can aim for contentedness in the situation we're in with God. We can wait on God's timing and cooperate with God to change us so that we shine like the stars in the universe for the glory of God. Amen. Lord, thank you for your light. We ask that you will continue to purify us, that we will cooperate with you that we will work out our salvation with fear and trembling in the sense that we are trusting you to work in us to will and to act your good purpose. Amen. Let us glorify him.